Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet, yes, around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today from wherever in the world you may be watching from. Praise God. Now, today, God's Word is going to empower you to do what He has called you to do, and very importantly, to be the person that He has called you to be. Before we jump into today's message, let's first honor the Lord by bringing in the holy tithes and offerings. Let's take a look also at a verse from God's Word. The book in the Bible is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we have a very powerful statement in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, my friends, when you look at this carefully in context, such as reading through the whole book of 2 Corinthians, where in the original Greek there are no divided chapters, of course, there's no verses. That was added for reference sake to help us to get to scriptures quickly. But when you read through this whole passage, such as what we know today as the entire chapter 8, chapter 9, Really, the context is, the, is about the giving of an offering. So when he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, technically and in context, this is the grace of giving. Praise the Lord. Not just grace for forgiveness of sins, grace for strength to overcome, but this in context addresses the area of financial grace. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Well, what religion has attempted to do, and when I say religion, I'm talking about man's efforts to come in and to understand scriptures, but not being spiritual, putting men's efforts back into that and trying to interpret it through intellectualism or philosophy or uh, anything but the Holy Spirit. So what people have endeavored to do over the years is to say, well, this is not an area of financial prosperity, or this is not really poverty. This is all dealing with uh, spiritual prosperity and spiritual poverty. But that really is the butcher. To do that is to butcher the entire context of what actually Paul is referring to. And it's not about that. He's talking about God's blessing touching you. Again, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. When did he become poor? He became poor on the cross when he bore all of our sins, when he bore the full curse an effect of the law and, all, and everything dealing with the curse of the law deals with sickness, disease, all the bad stuff, including also poverty. So you have to understand that the Lord's work on Calvary, it purchased our salvation, but that is a full salvation. It's not just forgiveness of sins and the receiving of eternal life. And if that's all it were, I'd take it because I want to go to heaven just like you do. I want to be right with God and have peace with God just like you do. But this is 
full salvation, not partial, not half. It includes healing for your body. It includes healing for your finances. The full price was paid for man's redemption to enjoy God's best. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes you became poor. When? Where? In Jerusalem, on the cross, when he hung upon the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. Anytime a crime is committed, there has to be a punishment. Somebody's got to go to prison or jail or whatever the, the, uh, the consequence might be. But, the, no, but somebody's got to pay for that. And all of our sins were placed on Jesus. He paid for them, and he also paid for our escape from poverty. Praise God. Now, whoever puts their faith and trust in him, you can begin to move into all that he has for you. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. Well, yes, on the cross, because obviously a poor man doesn't have a treasurer. Just like you, I've been in many big cities, I've been in many rural areas, and I've been all over the world, but I've never met a homeless man living on the street who has a full-time treasurer on staff, and also has 12 men working for him full-time, and those men have families and, uh, and wives and children that they must feed because they're responsible for, and this homeless, barefoot man just taking care of all of it, and also running an international ministry. No, no, there's no way. And not only that, when Jesus went to the cross, they're gambling over his outer garment, I've never seen anybody ever anywhere fight over an old wore out stinky pair of shoes or fight over a garment that is worthless. No, there is contention for it because of its value. Well, he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. I actually had a vision one time and the Lord showed me himself on the cross bearing our sins. Yes, particularly though also bearing our poverty. And I saw all the filth in a spiritual nature uh, from a spiritual perspective of how all of our sins and the consequences of it was placed on him. He was almost in a sense unrecognizable. Uh, it was just, uh, I had to talk to the Lord about it for several days. It was a phenomenal vision. Well, Pastor Stephen, if this is true and I'm really liking the sound of this, how come I'm not experiencing the riches that the Lord has, you know, paid the price for me to be able to step into? Okay. That you through his poverty might, might become rich. Now here's, here's why many believers don't get into it. Number one, they just don't know about it. <laughs> and it's very hard to go through a door that you're not even aware of the door. And even if you do discover the door, you realize it's locked and you don't have the key and you don't know who does. Okay. So that's why a lot of people don't come into this. So this is something I learned years back from Dr. Mike Murdoch. And the context in his life is that he was flying back from an international trip to Kenya. And when he was in Kenya preaching, he taught about principles of prosperity and it, it, it enraged the missionaries and they, they were assembly of God missionaries. And they were like, don't tell the people that they can be blessed because it won't work here. I look, I've heard the same thing I've taught before in one particular African nation. And uh, the, the head missionary said, don't tell the people that it won't work for them here. 
Oh, he was only saying that because he liked to be able to dominate and control the people and manipulate them. Uh, he had some financial strength, but he loved to lord it over the people that were in poverty and desperate. And so he, he didn't want to see that change. He, he loved this exalted position uh, of being able to uh, almost like dangle a carrot in front of a starving horse and see a reaction. I said, oh, no. I said, it'll work for them. This is not an American gospel. This is, the, this is a global gospel that brings deliverance to anybody that will hear it and walk in its truths. He didn't like that. So I could understand what Mike Murdoch was saying when he taught uh, God's goodness and God's plan for your finances in Kenya. The American uh, Assembly of God missionaries were just uh, literally almost on the edge of hatred towards that message. And they were like, no, 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 this will never work here. And of course it does work, but they, they wouldn't receive it. And so he's flying back from Kenya to America, coming home on the plane. And he had a talk with the Lord. And he also brought up the subject of his father, who was a very godly man who lived to be 99 years old, passed away about two years ago, I think. And, uh, but although his father prayed four to ten hours every single day, he was a very holy, very godly man, yet he never had any money. So Mike Murdoch was having conversation with the Lord. That's the joy of long international plane flights. Uh, turn off the movies and just sit there and think, pray, enjoy your time with God. Well, so he's having this conversation with the Lord. How come my father never had any money? How come these missionaries don't understand that it'll work for them, it'll work over there. What, what's going on with all of this? And that's when he got a great revelation. That changed his life, and it really impacted my life as well. And he said the Lord spoke to him on that long flight back, and the Lord answered his questions. And the Lord said, there's two parts of the gospel. There is the person of Jesus that creates your peace, and there are the principles that create your prosperity. So you can know the person and be in love with God and go to church and pray all the time. And so you can know the person and you can have peace with God knowing that you're going to go to heaven. Although life is just throwing things at you that you don't know how to handle. Okay. Such as financial trials and things like that. So you can know the person of Jesus and have peace. But if you don't know the principles, you can't have prosperity. That's why. Many believers are not walking in the riches that are available that you through his poverty might become rich. The reason they don't become rich is they don't know the principles. And if you don't know them and you don't uh, give them application in your life, you're still stuck at the same position. Now, you could be born into a family where maybe you had a mom or dad, they were successful and maybe they don't know the things of God, but yet they've become prosperous and successful because they're actually working biblical principles that produce and they taught you that or you were around it and you picked it up and thus you don't have a struggle in that area. But I've met for the most part, uh, many believers that struggle and the reason they struggle is they don't know the principles what does poverty produce even in the life of a believer? A lot of times it produces resentment towards those that have wealth. Why? They're mad that they don't have it. They're mad that they don't have it. So they're mad that others do. And uh, poverty and uh, these ongoing financial struggles can make people bitter and can also warp 
doctrine so that they start thinking, well, hey, maybe socialism is not so bad. Those people shouldn't have it. They should give me some. <laughs> That's in the Bible technically called theft. Okay, so we need to work the principles. Praise God. If you work the principles, they'll work for you wherever you live. Thank God for the Nigerian churches in Africa that not only had revival and have seen millions won. Okay. You think about revival, you think about Reinhard Bonnke, where in one meeting you see, uh, and I watched it on video in one meeting, over 1 million people gave their hearts to the Lord. Powerful, powerful things like that. But also not just all these salvations, but then equipping the people with the word and through uh, very anointed leaders, whether it's Daddy Geo or uh, Bishop Oyedipo or on and on it goes, men that began to understand principles. Where did they get the principles from? Kenneth Copeland, Mike Murdoch, and uh, Or Roberts and others that God unveiled them to. And they realized, my goodness, this will work over here. Why? It's biblical. It's scriptural. So what does this do? It disarms us from our excuses. We can't blame our poverty or our failures on the culture we live in or the society we live in, although those areas can be plagued with problems. You, could, you can't blame it on your parents. You can't blame it on your boss who won't give you a raise. It comes back to you. If you work the principles, they'll lift you even despite all of the prevailing circumstances that could be negative. See, we have airplanes that fly today. Many of you have flown on airplanes, but if the principles would have been unveiled in the 12th century. St. Francis could have flown on an airplane. The reason they didn't have airplanes back in the medieval ages and so forth was because uh, it's not that the laws didn't work back then. The laws that govern flight and aerodynamics, it's not that they didn't work. They just weren't understood. And so you can't apply what you don't know. But when you begin to know the principles that govern prosperity, you step into them and uh, it works regardless of your skin color, regardless of your education, regardless of where you live. And then you start taking responsibility for your own destiny. And then you realize that the Lord holds your destiny in his hand, not the government, not the state, not this or that, or, you know, the uncle who's trying to manipulate you by just dangling a little money in front of you. So you go over there and stay out of God's will and he can just use you over there. No, thank God for your uncle. Praise God. But you can get on with your life. And it ends groveling and begging and uh, trying to smooch up the people. It ends all of that. Why? You become a covenant person. You realize you don't have to play those stupid games anymore. You have a covenant God. Mm -mm. Somebody's getting delivered right now. Pastor Stephen, what's the first step? Work the principles. The, the, the one and two principles are tithing, which anchors you to God's financial covenant and sowing and reaping. I'm not talking about peanuts and canola oil. I'm talking about sowing money as seed and reaping financial harvest. Praise God works in the natural. Sure. Every farmer. Uh, I remember at the time Charles caps, you know, spoke to a bunch of farmers. One time he said about, he's teaching them about finances, about sowing and reaping. 
And one of the farmers got aggravated at himself and just stopped Dr. Caps and said, uh, he said, Charles, stop talking for a moment. He said, how in the world can it be that we farmers, and he, he motioned to himself and the other farmers in the room, how can it be that we as farmers have never understood this when it's been right in front of us and we practice it every day of our life? Here we are farming, sowing seed, uh, uh, you know, working with the crop to bring it to harvest, and then we harvest it. And how come we never could put this together, that these are eternal biblical principles, and it works in the natural, and it works in the spiritual? <laughs> well, it's because you weren't taught. Mm, hallelujah. And even if you do hear it, you have to catch it by revelation. You have to catch it by revelation, or else, if you're warped, you'll think the preacher's just trying to get something out of your pocket. Mm -mm. Praise God. No, God actually is trying to get something to you, but he works through rules and principles that he created. Praise God. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Now let's honor the Lord. The tithe belongs to him. Let's bring the tithe into the storehouse of God. And of course, if you would like to sow seed, we have various projects that you could sow into. If you would like to mail your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717. Again, P.O. Box 717. Moravian Falls, North Carolina, the zip code 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, it's very safe and secure. I know many of you from other countries prefer to do it that way, as well as quite as many uh, of you here in the States, you prefer the simplicity of that as well. We also, by the way, have text to give. If you want to do text to give, uh, that link is on the homepage of our website. Uh, if you want to bring your tithes and offerings in electronically online, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage, you'll see a red heart, and it says, Give. Click that. You can bring your tithes in right there. If you want to sow seed, sowing offerings is above the tithe. The tithe is 10% that belongs to God. Remember, I'm talking principles here. Okay? And the offering is seed that you give beyond the tithe. If you would like to do that, you can click the orange banner on the homepage that says projects. Take your pick. We've got three. Praise God. Ooh, glory to the Lord. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and thank you for your giving. Thank you for being faithful to the Lord with your tithing. It does move the church forward uh, corporately. It does move the kingdom forward corporately. Look, whenever you see churches, whenever you see Christian television, whenever you turn on the TV and there's preachers like myself going at it, you're looking at the proof of tithers and givers. None of this would be here. And if we're not here, the world goes to hell in a handbasket. Praise God. But we are the salt and the light in the earth. And God's word is prevailing and the church is moving forward and you are the church. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray you bless your people. It's time for their liftoff. It's time for their expansion and expensive growth right now. And I thank you, Father. There are many that are uh, very, very devout covenant practitioners. I thank you, Father God, that as your people are bringing in the tithes, and holy offerings, I ask that you bless them, Father God, that their dreams come true. Their dreams that are anchored to your kingdom purpose and cause. And I thank you that this is a year of tremendous growth for them. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And around the world we say, Amen.
Praise God. Thank you for your giving. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. By the way, the um, 14.5 acres that we have purchased because of your gracious support and giving. Oh, we're doing some things on that property. I'll, I'm actually going to be heading out there later and meeting some people out there. I tell you what, God's up to some good things. I'll give you some more reports on that in the near future. And I also want to get out there and just kind of walk around. I've shown a few things, uh, with uh, video, but I want to do some more. And uh, that, that project is moving forward. Mm -mm, very exciting. Okay. Let's talk about today's message. I'm going to address the subject of the coming financial oven that is going to get really hot within the earth. You need to understand this. You need to know what's going on. And most importantly, how to deal with it, what position that you need to be in. Let's pray. Father, as we go into your word, we thank you that your word brings light. It brings illumination, shows us the path clearly that we're to walk on. Now, Father, let your Holy Spirit shine bright today through the scriptures, glorifying Christ, the anchor and the strong tower for our souls. We thank you, Father God, that you take care of your people and you bless your people. We thank you that we're like the children of Egypt, uh, not, not Egypt, the children of Israel in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, enjoying covenant exemption from the calamities in the land. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise for your protection and blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 60. This, of course, is a very loaded uh, scripture. Isaiah 60, we've talked about it uh, quite often over the last uh, six months. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2. For behold, the darkness. Please stop right there. Notice that Scripture does not say, for behold, uh, uh, darkness shall cover the earth. It technically doesn't say that. Watch. For behold, the darkness. Okay. What is coming is noted in Scripture as the darkness. In other words, this is a specific darkness that the Holy Spirit is highlighting through the prophet Isaiah of something that's coming that's specific. It's not just some general darkness. It's, oh, it could be anything, Pastor Stephen. No, the darkness. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. Lift your hands and say, thank the Lord. That's what the news hasn't told you. <laughs> It's like the news tries to uh, prophetically for, uh, forecast all the darkness and gross darkness in the earth, but they never tell you the latter part because that part doesn't pertain to them. That only pertains to the people of God. So this darkness that is identified as the darkness is a specific darkness. Now, I'm going to give you two scriptures today, this being one of them, that shows us that these uh, or that this darkness is a pre-planned prophetic event. What does that mean? Well, it means that you can cast out demons, but let me tell you with great confidence and assurance from this pulpit, you cannot cast out prophecies. I'll say it again. 
You can cast out demons, but you can't cast out prophecies. When God says this is coming, you might as well be ready for it, get prepared for it, because it's coming, and, and nothing can stop it. No political media, uh, committee or no uh, voting group can stop it. Hallelujah. And this, my friends, is coming. The darkness. There's a darkness coming. Mm -mm, troubling times. Praise the Lord. We need to know what God is doing. These are times in the earth. Well, people in the natural won't have answers. God's doing it on purpose to humble the wicked. Mm -mm. Wow. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be, will be seen upon you. Say, yes, it will. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let's go over to the book of Malachi course, the last book in the Old Covenant, Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming. It's coming, and the president can't stop it. It's coming, prime ministers can't stop it. It's coming, not even the Antichrist or the beast, the false prophet can stop it. It's coming. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. Now, when you think of the oven, I don't want you to necessarily think flames because the flames just devour it and whatever's being burned just, just consumed and it's gone. No, ovens aren't designed to just burn up your food. Ovens are designed to apply tremendous heat in a centralized area. Okay, so the centralized area is planet Earth, the peoples of the Earth, and the shaking of the economies of the world, and it's going to get hot, hot, hot. Mm -mm. You should be happy in your spirit because remember, again, there's exemption for people of the covenant. Woo! Praise God. For behold, the day is coming, so it can't be stopped. You can't cast it out. Uh, by the way, don't try to pray it off either. God, maybe you'll change your mind. He can't. He's already written it in word. It is going to go through. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. Pastor Stephen, why in the world would God be doing something like this? And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. Woo, think about that. This is powerful. Again, all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, all the people that have wealth, and think they don't need God and curse God and blaspheme the holy name of Jesus. Seems like that seems to be for many American sinners their favorite word, which is the uh, profane uh, statement right before God's name. All of these people, their day is coming, their goose is going to get cooked unless they repent and come to Christ. All the proud. All these people that are so proud, they think they don't need God with their security guards and their millions or billions in the bank or whatever it might be, and their uh, fortified positions. All the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. What happens to stubble? It gets burned in the fire. Mm -mm. And the day which is coming. Pastor Steve, we should, well, this is very scary. We need to gather a prayer committee and pray that God not do this. No, no, no. And the day which is coming. So be positioned in Christ for protection and victory because it's coming and it can't be stopped. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, the world system, the, uh, uh, the uh, ungodly leaders are going to do the great reset. 
oh, God's going to do the great oven temperature baking mode. Uh, a lot of these people that have all these wicked plans, they don't know they're the cookie about to be put on the cookie sheet and thrust into the oven. Mm-mm. They're the frozen pizza that's about to be put on the cook- on the pizza tray and put into the oven, and they're about to feel some heat that they're not even not even aware of that's going to come even upon them, upon them. So many with their escape plans to their private islands with jets that can be quickly fueled to fly away to a place of safety will find that their troubles follow them. Mm-mm. Wow. They think they've got it all figured out. They don't have anything figured out because if you take God out of the equation, you're lost in absolute confusion. Mm-mm. And the day which is coming shall burn them up says the Lord of hosts. Praise God. An oven with tremendous heat. This heat is financial heat. You know, I remember when uh, I took my wife Kelly to Texas for the first time years back, and she'd she'd been raised in Southern California, and she had visited some other states, but never hot states. So I took her to uh, South Texas, and... uh, Wow, we got off, uh, got off the plane, and uh, you know, got uh, and started going through the, the tarmac, and not the tarmac, that that walkway thing that connect the, that connects you to the, uh, you know, the terminal building or whatever. Well, we started going through that, and it's like she, the heat was so intense. It was like uh, somebody had a giant hair blower, you know, that dries your hair. And it was like the size of the state of Texas and just blowing everybody with the most intense, like 110 degree heat. And Kelly was like, how in the world can anybody live here? <laughs> well, I, I was like, well, I used to live here. This, this is a big part of my life where I grew up at. And uh, as crazy as it is, I used to run track in all of that crazy, hot, humid weather. And, you know, when I, and I had to remember because I'd been at that time living in California for 10 years and I got used to that cool uh, weather that, you know, you get that breeze coming off the Pacific. And even to me, I was like, yeah, this is smoking hot. Well, um, you know, it's going to be like that financially in the whole world. Hot, hot, hot. And uh, there's not going to be answers except in the Word of God and for those that are covenant people. Mm-mm. Pastor Stephen, what should my position be? Well, we can find that very easily in Psalm 91. I'm glad that you're asking that question. It is a good question to ask. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells, that means a constant abiding, not just an occasional visit. He who dwells in the secret place. Hmm. That implies devotion and a close walk with God, which is not optional. It's essential. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High mm -mm, shall abide where? Out in the heat? No, under the shadow of the Almighty. Wow. My friends, while the oven is hot and many are melting God wants you to experience what it's like to have it made in the shade. Mm, Think about that. God is going to stabilize you, bless you, secure you, prosper you, and put you under the canopy of his wing so you're not over there being blasted in that oven, and you're going to know what it's like. 
there is going to be a distinguished difference between those who do not serve God and those who do. Mm-mm. They shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I want to read this to you uh, from a couple of different translations. Let me turn this on here. And I like the literal standard version, the LSV. It says, He who is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High habitually lodges in the shade of the mighty. In the shade. You don't have to be in this oven. It's going to be out there, right? But you can, be, you can escape it with supernatural Holy Spirit air conditioning. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The New American Bible. You who dwell in the, shelter, in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shade of the Almighty. Praise God. Made in the shade. There is always exemption for God's people. Just like there was in Egypt, in Goshen, where the Israelites were at. God protected them and blessed them. While there was even darkness in Egypt, there's light in Goshen. Pastor Stephen, that doesn't make any sense. How, how can the sun and the moon be doing that? Well, I'm just telling you, this covenant is supernatural. It is literally God's power at work in your life, causing you to go upstream into the blessing further when other things can be being uh, flushed past you as they're being taken downstream. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, in order to experience this, we must be covenant practitioners. Let us now go to the book of James, chapter 1. James 1, please join me today in verse 22. But be doers of the word, doers of the word. Hmm. A lot of people with a lot of concepts and theories and wild, unproven ideas. You don't have time for that. You don't need to go out and reinvent the wheel. Here it is right before you. Be doers of what? The word. See, God's word abides and remains forever. Sometimes I'm in meetings and, uh, you know, of course, certain fragrances will begin to come forth. But sometimes there are some that will begin to smell grass, fresh grass. They're like, Pastor Stephen, what does that mean? Well, it means there's something that's got your attention that's very transitory that's going to pass away. And you need to shift your focus away from grass unto what is permanent. That would be God's Word. Hallelujah. Because God's word is eternal and grass is just can be gone so quick. Praise the Lord. It doesn't get any water for a few days. It's in trouble, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. What happens if you hear, but you don't do, you end up getting deceived. That's an awful place to be in when you're expecting something to unravel a certain way or work out a certain way. And it's never going to happen because you're actually not applying what you've heard. Wow. It, it's, it's crazy deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of Liberty and continues in it and in his 
and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Praise God. Remember, you hear the word, it, the word is seed. The seed of the word is sown into your heart. But now you have to practice it. You have to make application and do it. Hmm. And as you stay on that, eventually you reap that righteous, peaceful harvest. And you will be blessed in what you do. Not solely in what you hear, in what you do. Praise God. Is hearing important? It's critical. It's essential. But it's not just hearing alone. We must be doers, not just theorizers, talking about it all the time. No, doers. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, where is the future financial system taking us towards? Where is it going? I can show you where it's going. Now, if you're watching my podcast, um, I'll tell you what this is. But here, look, right here. This is where it's all going. <laughs> and I'm holding up, of course, my, my phone. Everything is going towards your phone. And there's a lot of theories of how the future economics and the way that money is going to be used and how it works is going to unfold. But my friends, you can already look at some countries. We have ministry partners in China. But you know, in China, they're already moving forward and already have been doing this where they have a, a social credit score. So you have to do certain things and line up with uh, what the government says. And if you don't, and, uh, and, and that's found out, or, you know, you, po you post something, you're on social media, you say something or do something, then you can lose points. And you could, you could lose your job or you could lose your ability to, to bank or whatever the case might be. So things like that, of course, are tied to your phone. But many people are saying that there will come a point with our U.S. government where we're going to go to a Fed coin. I really believe in my heart that's down the road some ways, but you can easily see how that would happen. Because the government, if the government is totalitarian in nature, meaning they want to control everybody and control everything, then it would certainly go to a Fed coin because a Fed coin would do several things. The first thing it would do is that the government would have to get rid of all the other cryptocurrencies. They'd have to totally get rid of Bitcoin. Somebody might say, oh, they can't do that. If they become totalitarian, that's exactly what they'll do because they don't want their Fed coin to have any competition. So they would get rid of all the other competition because they can control that. And then things would change dramatically because if you have a Fed coin, that means that will be linked to a government or central bank. What does that now mean? means you don't need all these other banks. So it's bye-bye to Bank of America, bye-bye to Chase or J.P. Morgan or Citibank or whatever it might be. They're gone, Bank of America. They're all gone. <laughs> Why? Because the government doesn't need them anymore. And that would um, be pretty wild for those in the banking industry. So you could see also why the banking industry would definitely not want that to come forth because they could read the writing in between the lines of what that means for them. So um, if, if there is a Fed coin, which eventually there will be, because they want to eventually go to a global linked economy. Oh, a global leader, a religious leader, a political leader, etc. Well, what can happen if there's a Fed coin is that the government can 
deposit money into your account. You could think, well, isn't that nice? The government just gave me $1,000. And, um, but they could also just shut your account down. And if they shut it down, you can't get any money out of it. And if that's the only way the system is working now is electronically, um, you'd be in a tough spot. Oh, now somebody would say, well, Pastor Stephen, that's just fine, though. I've been investing in gold and silver, and I can, um, I can work with my gold and silver. Well, are you going to barter and trade with that if, if that everything goes electronic and you can't, you can't merge with that because they've blocked you from that system? You're going to use your gold and silver to barter and trade? You know, I was talking with, I'll give you an example. I was talking with a local man one time. He was very self-absorbed about protecting his own interests, protecting his life. And yes, you want, you want to do the best you can to cover your basis, but he's kind of like a uh, end time prepper. He's going to survive anything, anyhow, anyway, he's going to survive. I saw him one day and he was totally flustered. I said, Hey brother, his spirit filled brother, uh, just, you know, got off track on some things, went into some extremism. Maybe we could say, I said, Hey brother, how you doing? Cause I noticed he looked flustered. He goes, Oh, he said, uh, Stephen, I'm not doing too good today. I said, well, what's troubling you? He goes, I, I can't figure out how, if the government takes everything to an electronic format and I can't buy or sell, but even if I have plenty of food and I've got ammunition and gold and silver, he's like, how do I pay my property taxes? I said, you can't. I said, there's all kinds of ways they can block certain things. And of course, if you can't pay your property taxes, the local county or the state can just say, we're going to take your house. We're going to take your property because you haven't paid for it. You could be screaming. I can't pay for it. They don't care. So things like that. So he's just consumed with like, I'm blocked. I can't take this any further mentally of trying to solve the next uh, way of preserving my life. Wow. And some people go that route. They think, well, if I've got plenty of silver or gold stacked up, Pastor Stephen, I'll, I'll be just fine. Well, if that gold or silver is not tied into the system, you can't use it. You, you can't trade with it. <laughs> so you could do very little bartering. And also, you have to remember that if you are, a, and many of you that would, uh, if let's say if you buy gold or silver, you very quickly realize that, Let's say you invest in Canadian maples. You buy a bunch of silver Canadian maples. Well, you may have that coin and you paid for it and you own it. But what a lot of people don't realize is that while, while you own it, it's actually the property of the Canadian government. And if you go out and buy a bunch of silver or even, uh, you know, gold American eagles, and oh, I've got my silver American eagles, and you pay cash or pay credit or it's all paid off and you actually own them, and you put them in your, your savings or whatever the case might be, or hide them or whatever the case might be, you think, those are mine. Uh, they're yours unless the government wants them, because you may own them, but they're actually government property. Oh, I didn't know that, Pastor Stephen. Well, I'll just melt them down. That's a federal crime. Now you've committed a federal crime. That's long prison term. So, Pastor Stephen, where do we go? What do we actually do? First of all, you must be calm and walk by faith and understand 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's go there. Let's go over there. Praise God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Some people are worried about stuff that they're actually never going to have to deal with. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. You have to understand that the heat and also the humbling of the proud and wicked that's coming is not meant to wipe out God's people. If God did that, God's a child abuser. What do we do even in our courts of law that are executed and overseen by even unsaved people? What do we do to child molesters and people that beat or their own kids, we send them to prison where they rightfully belong. I'm here to tell you today, God is not a child uh, uh, abuser. He does not break your arm to teach you a lesson. He does not put you in a car wreck and destroy half your body to teach you a lesson. That's called abuse. But God's a good God, praise the Lord. And God has said that you are not appointed to wrath. Wrath is never for God's people. Wrath is for the wicked, the proud, the wicked. Praise God. So there is exemption and protection for you, even if it's supernaturally. And remember, the covenant of blessing, the covenant of increase is supernatural. It's supernatural. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he has no sorrow with it. Well, how does that happen? It's, it's supernatural. How does an airplane get off the ground? Well, it's obeying the laws of flight. You know, you have lift and you have thrust. You put all this together and the plane goes up. They are principles. Okay. When you work biblical principles, it takes you up. And these are also eternal principles. They're covenants. They're based on covenants. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pastor Stephen, what should my position be? Well, I'd say stick with the words of Jesus and go to Matthew chapter 6 and lock in to verse 33. That's where your increase is at. That's where your increase is at. See, I'm not trying to hoard food. I'm trying to distribute help to people. That doesn't mean that I don't have anything in my pantry. I do have some, uh, some spaghetti noodles and a few cans of uh, spaghetti sauce. But I don't have a thousand cans in there. I'm trying to hoard for myself, trying to get through the tribulation or trying to you know, make it through something that the Bible says you will be exempted from. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I'm trying to not hoard and self-preserve. I'm trying to bless and extend the kingdom. And through that mechanism of blessing, there's always something in the pantry. Praise God. But look, you can never trap Jesus. You can put him out in the wilderness and he can preach to 20,000 people, 5,000 men with all their, you know, the, the man's got his wife and got the kids running around and stuff like that. No food, no grocery store, no convenience store. And Jesus can take little loaves and a little bit of fish and pray and multiply it and feed everybody. You can't take him down. And when you walk with him, you can't go down either. Oh, Pastor Stephen, the stores have run out of food. You think something like that would shake Jesus? He, he could work with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit anoint him, and he's multiplying food and stuff like that. I had a young man that led worship. By the way, I haven't forgot verse 33. You already know that. Anyhow, we'll come back to it in just a moment. You know that verse will come back. But I had a young man uh, years back, many years back, used to, uh, uh, on a part-time basis, he'd lead some praise and worship for me. And uh, he's a good old American kid, raised here locally, uh, Carolina boy, loves Jesus, good old Baptist boy, loves God, on his, saved on his way to heaven, played guitar really well, could sing really well, good fella, handsome, good-looking guy. 
And uh, he'd come over sometimes and, uh, you know, he'd lead the praise and worship for me. And he knew I was, I, I was a Pentecostal, but he liked me. And uh, he even kind of liked my preaching, but it didn't, didn't really want to go for that Holy Spirit thing. Didn't really want to go for that thing. Right. And so um, one day we had a, we had, he and I had a little talk and he just brought up, he happened to bring up a conversation. He kind of let a cat out of the bag, so to speak. He said, Pastor Stephen, he said, my girlfriend's going to go on an African mission trip. He's all happy, you know, real naive, but real happy. I said, brother, that's wonderful. Where's she going? Oh, she's going to this certain country. I said, oh, I said, she wouldn't by chance be going to so-and-so's ministry. He goes, well, that's exactly where she's going. I said, brother, I said, you love God, don't you? He said, yes, Pastor Stephen, I wish I could go on a mission trip. I said, can I just share something with you? He goes, yes. I said, if she goes on that trip, which I pray she does, her whole life will change. Her whole worldview will be turned upside down, and she will see the raw power of God. Oh, Pastor Stephen, she's just going over there to help little kids and stuff like that. Pastor Stephen, it's just a mission trip. I said, I'm telling you, her life will be altered, and she's going to see things that are true that you don't believe in, that I've tried to tell you about. Oh, Pastor Stephen, she's just going to go on a little mission trip. Well, when was it? Maybe like two months, maybe three months after that. I saw him one day with a look of total confusion on his face. It looked like, like he couldn't, it's like a look like when you can't figure out what two plus two is. I look like he's, he's just stupefied. I said, brother, I said, nice to see you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm all right, Pastor Stephen. Well, brother, you look like something's got your gears turning up in your head. What are you thinking about? Well, uh, I, I have to admit, Pastor Stephen, I don't know. I don't understand it. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, my girlfriend just got back from that country that she went to. Oh, I said, she did, did she? He goes, yeah. And she told me about everything she saw. I said, oh, what did she see? Well, Pastor, Pastor Steve, I don't understand it. She said she'd sit down at the table with all these kids and no food anywhere. But yet she'd sit down at the table with some other missionaries and other ministers and all of these hundreds and hundreds of kids, and there's no food. There's no food on the plates. There's no food on the table. And the, the leader of the group, a woman of God, would pray, and food would appear all over the table. And she said, my girlfriend said, it happened every day, and I don't know what to do about this. I said, brother, I said, is this your red pill moment? Is this the moment where you're going to wake up and finally realize you maybe have been living uh, in some areas where you haven't had a lot of exposure? Are you going to believe her? Because you wouldn't quite open up to me and believe me. I'm, you know, I'm being sweet with him, having fun with him, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on him. I'm working on him. I said, because you won't listen to me. But I said, she's your girlfriend. She's the one you actually want to marry. And she's telling you this as an eyewitness. Are you going to call her a liar? Uh, 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 I don't know what to do, Pastor Stephen. You know what he decided to do? What many believers do. Just pretend like it never happened. Hear the word, but don't, don't be a doer. 
Because if you become a doer, maybe all of your deadhead religious friends who don't even really know God very well after all, maybe they won't, they won't like you anymore. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I can't bear to handle that if they don't. I want everybody to like me. Brother, you're in the wrong boat today if you want everybody to like you. When Jesus is the head of the ship, I'm not saying that we celebrate persecution, but I am telling you that if you think everybody's going to like you today, and you can somehow play the middle of the road and fiddle your way through all of this and everybody might like you and throw rose flowers on you. You're living in some kind of a la-la land. You can't even do that in the church, much less out there in the world. <laughs> you know, the only thing that brings persecution is a strong, is a strong stance for the truth. If you're just, uh, you know, blowing over to everything, trying to, oh, yeah, I believe that too. I understand your side. Yeah, yeah, you got a good point. Yeah, I understand that. You know, uh, then, you know, uh, uh, you know what? You don't get any heat. But the moment you take a stand on the gospel and the gospel truths, you'll find out that not everybody's all excited about that. But that's all right. Stay in the blessing. Stay in the blessing. Pastor Stephen, what, I sh what should I do? This is what you should do with a economic oven that's going to have heat uh, unlike people have ever felt before. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Yes. Yes, Pastor Stephen, after having heard your message, I know the sum total of what we need to do. We need to get out of debt. No, you need to get in the God, lest you die in your sins debt-free and go to hell for all eternity. Pastor Stephen, I'm debt-free. Thank you for a good message. No, no, you must be born again, and you must come into the kingdom, and every kingdom has a king, and every king has their way of doing things, and you learn his decrees, his laws, his rules, and you submit to his authority, and he'll take you to the top, and the Lord's blessing makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it, no sorrow, no cheating, no bending gray areas, no lying to people and doing people wrong. You don't have to do any of that. No fear. The covenant is strong. Come into it today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor Stephen, there's pressure. There's pressure. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to pull back on my giving. Did God tell you to do that? Did God tell you to do that? Because a lot of times when there's pressure and you, you're on the line, you'd better start giving. Pastor Stephen, I can't, I can't, I can't afford to tithe. Uh, that's why you don't have any money. Pastor Stephen, when I get some money, I'll start tithing. That's why you don't have any money. When you start tithing and start working principles, that's when you start going up. When you continue to try to save yourself and be your own Lord, your own God, that's why the struggles persist. There's only escape. There's only shade under his wing. That is a representation of the obedient Christian, of the Christian that acknowledges Jesus not only as Savior, but celebrates him also as Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Mm -mm. There's a lot of people, they think they've got it all figured out. They maybe have a lot of money. They maybe have a lot of wealth. They have their, their exit plans prepared. But they have no exit plan from sin. They have no exit plan for the wrath of God that will come upon those who reject Him and continue in pride and awful wickedness 
that's taking place. Mm -mm. Now, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, righteousness is very important, being right standing with God. When you seek first his kingdom, um, financial freedom comes. It comes. But if you go after financial freedom and you're not seeking first his kingdom, you're headed for a train wreck. Mm -mm. Well, Pastor Stephen seems like we're doing real good. Wait till it gets hot, 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 hot. Mm -mm. God's going to be shaking. God's going to be shaking things. God's going to take many wicked people that have wealth, and much of this wealth has been created through very, oh, ah. Uh, very awful ways. God's going to take them and like grab them by the feet and shake it, shake it, shake it. I have an apostle friend of mine. He saw a cup one time. It looked real nice on the outside, looked phenomenal on the inside, but he peeked into the inner part of the cup and it was full of filth. And it said the economies of the global world system. Mm. You and I have no idea of the massive levels of fraud and waste and corruption that takes places amongst the nations with backroom deals and massive amounts of cash going here. So for, for very wicked reasons and purposes and things like that, God's going to shake things like crazy. Walk right with God. Walk right with God. Honor the Lord in every way. Mm -mm. And you're going to be under the shadow of the wing of God. Look, this is the time for the church to shine. Don't be troubled by these things that happen. The sad part is that a lot of it has to happen. Does it make you happy when you see it? No, you grieve in your heart. And I love this nation and I'm praying for our leaders. And I'm praying that God hold this nation together. Why? For the expansion of his kingdom. And God's going to. But there's going to be wild shakings taking place. And there is going to be shiftings of wealth. And you watch. You watch. Before the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Just as governments have embassies and offices here and there as representations of their success. Watch how the church with various denominations and various uh, uh, ministries begin to have their own embassies and their own expressions. Let me tell you right now, God is taking ministries into kingdom ministries where people stand back, particularly sinners and think, my Lord, the men that ministry, that's not like some little bitty mom pop operation. That thing's like a global operation. That thing's like a government or like a kingdom. Oh, yes, we work with government rules and laws, and we honor the leaders that God gives to a nation or a state or whatever it might be. But let me tell you, before it's all said and done, you're going to have political leaders coming to the leaders in God's kingdom, the leaders within the body of Christ saying, can we come over and visit you? You're obviously doing really well. Wow. Uh, we have some questions. We have some problems we can't solve. Because the church is going to have the solution. There's a lot of very foolish people mocking God's church. When you mock the church, you mock the head of the church, Jesus Christ himself. It is his bride. Do not make fun of the church. Ah, oh, the church ain't got no money. Church is all beaten down. God's not done yet. The church is already strong and the church is moving forward. But you watch as more and more the expression of the end time church comes, for, uh, comes forth.
It's going to be beauty, strength, and splendor, unlike anything you've ever seen before, and you are right in the thick of it. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Remember, the glory shall be seen. It has to be seen on you. This is your hour to shine. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for everybody watching me, your precious people that are listening. I thank you, Father, that I speak over them that they are hearers and doers of your word, and that they're breaking forth on the left and on the right. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father God, that you are exponentially increasing them. And I thank you, Father, that all of their increase has a covenant purpose and has a kingdom cause. I thank you, Father, that they enjoy their life, but I thank you, Father, they are not consumed with self-preservation, which is a form in some ways of even covetousness and idolatry, but rather father, instead of toward turning inward, like a black hole in outer space, they're turning, they're turning and they're saying, how can I be a blessing? Oh, I want to be a contributor, not a ceaseless consumer. Thank you, father God, that instead of somebody sticking a can of beans saying, Oh, I'll be a little bit safer. I got another can in my pantry. I thank you, Father, instead of a mentality that's reversed in the wrong direction, I thank you that there will be those that by 10 o'clock in the morning, they will have already have fed 2,000 children, 2,000 malnourished, hungry children. Oh, God, I thank you for the strength coming to your people. And I thank you for a kingdom mindset. Thank you, Father, eradicate any spirit of poverty out of your people by the power of your word, by the power of your word. I thank you, Father God. I thank you. I give you praise. Bless your people, Father, with heaven's best. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. I'd tell you in the morning, jump up and get out of bed. God's got a great day planned for you every day. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, for those of you that would be watching and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus himself said, what does it profit if a man gains the whole world but loses his own soul? So you got your gold and silver. Good. You're obviously good with math. You're good with numbers and you're disciplined. You're good with saving. What does it matter though? You have all of this. You have all this wealth, all of these worldly accolades, and you die in your sins without receiving Christ who's already paid for them. Now, how smart is this? How wise can a person be if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? You know that the law of God is written on your heart. You know that you have sin in your life. You don't get into heaven just because your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. One bad deed alone bars you from the city of heaven and coming before a holy God. You can't get in on good works. If, there, if good works could get you in, what in the world was the purpose of Christ dying on the cross? The whole purpose of the law was to reveal that we are not good enough. We can't keep all these laws. And even if you keep them externally, you're still breaking them in your heart and your mind all the time. <laughs> you shall not murder. Well, I'm not going to kill him, but I wish I could. <laughs> Come on right now. Make your peace with God. God's not after your money. He's after your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life right now. Step into my heart.
Forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your blood. Jesus, pray this out loud. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. And step into my life today. And lead me and guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. The safe place. The church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. The church. The only safe place. Not the tavern. Not the bar. Not the sports arena. The church. Not the banking institutions. The church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have no problem with banks. If you need to get a loan, go get a loan. But endeavor to get it paid off so that you can be more effective with the provision that God gives you because he's going to bring us debt and he's going to bring us into places of debt freedom so that the interest that we would have been paying to worldly systems, we don't have to do that anymore. And we can apply that more towards kingdom purposes and causes. And God's bringing you into that. God's bringing his people into that for his glory, not for some empty boast. I'm debt free, but you don't even serve God. No. Hallelujah. Freedom for kingdom purpose. Thank you, Jesus. And there's quite a few of watching me that you're watching me that there's a, the Lord has a lot of travel planned for some of you. And that travel is going to require financial flexibility and freedom. And God's going to give you freedom so that you can do that because for some of you, not all of you, but for some of you, that's part of your destiny that he's baked into his plan for your life. Praise God. All right, let's take Holy Communion together. I want you to grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Let's pray. Mm -mm -mm. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it through this prayer. That is, we set it apart as being holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Father, as we receive his body, his flesh, we thank you, O oh God, that you have promised us that your wrath is for the wicked. It's not for us. We're your children, and you're our loving Heavenly Father. Father, as we receive the flesh of Jesus, we give you praise for his great sacrifice at Calvary. He became poor, that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We celebrate these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. God's working on hearts right now. God is refining pursuits. God is clarifying the vision and direction in which you should go, which of course always corresponds with his word. Mm -mm. Let me just say this. There will be some that come into wealth where there is a quick increase but that's only because you've been applying principles for a lengthy period of time. So in many ways, it's like 
It's like they said about one preacher. Oh, you became an overnight success. He was like, oh, yeah, that was a 20-year overnight. <laughs> In other words, he'd already been working, preaching, doing all that for years. Uh, just nobody really saw until a special touch from the Lord. But many of you will have a rapid, I would even say meteoric type rise. And that's okay because you're grounded. Hallelujah. But watch out for things that the enemy does that would be these wild schemes, almost like a batter in baseball who's always trying to hit a home run, just always swinging for the bleachers. And because of that, he never gets on first base. He, you know, just strikes out or, you know, something like that. And some people, they're always going for the latest, wildest, craziest, you know, swing for the bleachers type investment. Why? They don't have any principles. They don't have any principles. Now, if God, by the Holy Spirit, very distinctly revealed to you something that maybe was uh, unknown, say like Bitcoin, year 2009, okay? You could pick it up for like uh, four cents, and you know, and the Holy Spirit says do it, and he, he's knowing it's going to go to $70,000. Well, yeah, back your, back your truck up and load up, okay? But you have to be very, very careful with that. I am not a financial advisor, a little disclaimer, okay? All I'm saying is I am a vi an advisor and teacher of the word, work principles. Don't chase wild, crazy things. Don't chase wild, crazy things. As Paul the Apostle said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, those who run after money, they get pierced through, shot through with many sorrows. And uh, whoo, crazy, crazy stuff. And you're going to see a, a lot of casualties in that area, people that run after it even in the world, of course, but you'll see those also in the church. They run after it and go down all kinds of risky, crazy things. Oh, pray things out, my friends. Get advice and counsel and uh, really walk in the wisdom of the Lord. Because even with breakthrough and increase, now your greatest thing that you need is wisdom to apply it to, uh, you know, preserve and utilize it the wisest way. Get the most out of the dollar that you can. Don't overpay. Don't overbuy just because you got a blessing. Walk in wisdom. Stay grounded. Praise God. Mm -mm. Glory to God. But again, I do see some. It's like a curve. It's going to go just like that. Praise the Lord. And that's because like an airplane takes off and it goes just like that. The principles are everything's working the way it should. Praise God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Oh, Father, there's, there's some watching that. Ooh, I pray for them, Lord. There's a lot of naivety in them. A lot of good intentions and excitement. But, Lord, I pray that you really help them to immerse their minds into your word and to become champions of wisdom. Now, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We do open ourselves up to what could be rare occasions when there's something you could do. But we thank you primarily that we, we are going to work principles. Now, we thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the blood of the Lord Jesus. Thank God for his angels that help keep you on the right path and getting uh, from getting tangled up in this stuff. See, Jesus, when he was praying in the garden uh, of Gethsemane there in Jerusalem, uh, he was being 
tempted by the devil to back out. The devil wanted that he was being pressured to back out, not go to the cross. And an angel came and strengthened him. I'm telling you with some of these bizarre temptations and stuff like that, angels can come and strengthen you so that you can continue to pray and get the mind of Christ and not deviate over into something that is not of God. Praise the Lord. Even though it can be sugar-coated, uh, uh, promoted, and propped up even by respected people, but that the angels will help you and you stay stabilized and stay on track. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us lift our hands. Father, we give you praise and glory. We give you praise and glory. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that your word is our guiding light. We thank you that we always know what to do in every situation. We give you all of the praise. And we thank you, Father God, for the secret place. We thank you for the secret place. That allows us to stay in the shade. Stay in the shade. Thank you, Father God. I see many running underneath your wing right now. Thank you, Father. Many running underneath your wing right now. And thus, thus, they will enjoy coolness and escape from the pressures outside. We thank you. We celebrate your goodness, your covering, your blessing and protection in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. My friends, thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay richly blessed. Bye-bye.